your Outside Mindset Show, where I shine a light on aging adults who may have a chronic illness and who are taking back their outside mindsets by looking or going outside to spend time close to trees, shrubs, and plants. I started this podcast for three reasons. One, I want to help people to recognize that going outside is not just a nice thing to do, but it can save your life. Two, I want to give you practical tips to live longer, stress less, and control your chronic illness if you have one. And three, I want to give you easy ways to help protect your treasured green spaces. For more evidence-based green space research and tips, please check out my book and workbook, Take Back Your Outside Mindset. And today, I'm here to talk about my brand new book, Optimize Your Heart Rate at Last. (laughs) No, that's not what it's called. It's called Optimize Your Heart Rate, Balance Your Mind and Body with Green Space. So I'm pretty excited about this. I've been working on it for those of you who are on my email list know I've been working on it for about three years, but it is launched now. And this a solo podcast today, I want to tell you a little bit about it and, and why it's called what it's called. So let's start with this. So again, the name of the book is Optimize Your Heart Rate, Balance Your Mind and Body in Green Space, and it's on Amazon right now. Okay, so you might think that diet and exercise are the best ways to avoid a heart attack. And yes, you are right. That research is well understood, but there's another way. This is to be aware of the environments that can either help or harm your heart. Do you know that your heart is under attack every single day by hidden threats that you cannot see in your environment? So that's what my new book, Optimize Your Heart Rate, is all about. And in it, I tell the story of my lifelong friend Leslie's sudden cardiac death at the age of 63. That's what got me started on writing the book. So I want you to know what Leslie didn't know. So that by the end of this book, you'll know how to use green space and your own simple heart rate numbers to avoid these hidden threats to protect your heart, know when your heart's in danger, and what to do about it. I wrote this book so that what happened to Leslie does not happen to you, so that you can live your best life possible. Now, I didn't know anything about green space research before Leslie died. Although, as many of you know, I worked in healthcare for 40 years, first as a nurse, then as a healthcare administrator, and finally as a university professor. But I'd never heard of the science of green space. So it wasn't until my diagnosis of systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, that I discovered a new generation of green space scientists who were publishing about the profound health impact 
health impact of spending time near trees. So for this very reason, I feel lucky that I was diagnosed with the most common and serious type of lupus. It is so named because it affects all the different organs in the body, all the systems. But had I not been diagnosed and gone through my own personal journey, which I describe in my first book, Take Back Your Outside Mindset, I would not have the rich and happy life that I have today. And I really believe that spending time close to trees, shrubs, and plants actually saved my life. So as you know, the effects of green space on my health were so profound that in 2019, I wrote a book called Take Back Your Outside Mindset, Live Longer, Stress Less, and Control Your Chronic Illness. And thank you to many of you who have read it and referred it to others. I keep hearing from you, and I'm so grateful. And two years after that, I wrote that book and workbook. I started my podcast, this podcast, which has been so much fun, scary, but fun. And I've had the opportunity to talk to some amazing people and share what they have to say. I wrote this new book, Optimize Your Heart Rate, Balance Your Mind and Body with Green Space, because Leslie went on a three-day road trip and never came back. Leslie had a healthy lifestyle and no diagnosis of heart disease. I could not understand or accept what could have happened to her in mere days. Leslie died of a sudden cardiac arrest on day three of her road trip. And what I learned after Leslie's death was how tightly our hearts are tied to our environment. As a pioneer of environmental cardiology, Dr. Professor Bratnikar says, the evidence has been slowly building to show that our environment can have a huge effect on our heart. As Batnagar says on my podcast, Dr. Batnagar, when I started in this field, environmental cardiology, in the 1990s, there was a little bit of disbelief that breathing polluted air could increase the risk of heart disease. They thought that not exercising for decades was how you got heart attacks. But the data started to emerge from several studies showing that those people who live in more polluted areas die earlier. The level of air pollution does not have to even be very high, says Batnagar. These are levels of pollution that we see around us in the United States, he says. And he goes on to say that even short-term exposure to air pollution can injure heart tissue. He says it like this. The data started to show that episodic or short-term exposure to air pollution can injure heart tissue, cardiovascular tissue. This can alter blood pressure, change the electrical activity of the heart, induce inflammation, and cause damage in the lining of our blood vessels. Ratnagar points to a study out of Boston done in 2006, and there's meta-studies, meta-analysis recently that confirmed this, that shows that whenever you see a spike in air pollution, you see a spike in heart attack within six hours. So this means that, holy smokes, mere hours 
in air pollution can have a huge effect on the heart. And it's not understood why the heart is so susceptible to this and other environmental factors that I discuss in the book. But it does affect the heart's electrical system that creates our regular heartbeats and the lining of our blood vessels that we need to be open for the blood to get around our body. But the good news is, is that alongside of this environmental research was mountains of peer-reviewed research studies of many studies showing that just looking at green space or being in green space helps to bring our heart rates and our nervous system back into balance, sometimes in just five minutes by simply looking at it. So the simple fact of just looking at or being in green space changes heart rates by slowing it down, bringing it back into balance, had huge heft for me as a nurse. I mean, I knew this was big because, uh, and I knew it was something new and important, not just for me, but for others as well. And why? Well, because as a nurse, our primary goal is always to help our patients heart rates get back to normal. We know that when someone has a good, steady heart rate, their typical heart rate, that the body's usually back in balance and the patient's out of danger and we're home free. The heart rate is a nurse's key measure of patient stability, and that's why it's called vital sign, of course. But you might think of your heart rate only when you're exercising and maybe when you're trying to get it up higher during a workout. And yes, you're right. Your heart needs a regular workout to stay healthy. But there are other important reasons to know about your heart rate. And this is when you're at rest. Your resting heart rate, like what we take as nurses, what we measure, is the number of times your heart beats each minute when you're sitting, lying down, calm, relaxed, and hopefully not ill. For most people, it is considered normal to have a resting heart rate between 60 and 100 beats per minute when you're awake. And when you're sleeping, a slower heart rate between 40 and 60 beats per minute is considered normal. And this is why it's important for you to know your resting heart rate. When your resting heart rate is low, this means your heart is pumping blood efficiently and well to the rest of your body and that your nervous system is in balance. When your resting heart rate is high, like when you're not active, this is your warning sign that your heart is working harder than expected at a state of rest. And this could mean that your nervous system is out of balance. Here's a study to show that. When researchers examined over 130,000 post-menopausal women, they found that those with the highest resting heart rates, greater than 76 beats per minute, were 26% more likely to have or die from a heart attack compared to those with the lowest resting heart rates of 62 beats per minute or less. So what this means is that knowing your resting heart rate matters. So when you're relaxed and doing absolutely nothing, see if your heart rate is greater than 76 beats per minute. And that could be your warning sign to do something, 
to get to your doctor's office. So right now, you might be wondering, how do I get my resting heart rate? Well, as you know, it's literally at your fingertips. You can do it one of three ways. You can do the old-fashioned way by taking a pulse like we used to do as nurses, where you put your place your two fingers lightly below your thumb on your wrist until you feel a pulse. And then you count those pulses for 30 seconds, multiply by two, and that's your number of beats per minute. Or you can purchase a finger clip called a pulse oximeter, which measures your heart rate and the amount of oxygen in your bloodstream. Or you can just check your wearable fitness watch, which will collect and measure all kinds of heart rate information for you. And all you have to do is check it. (laughs) Now, you might be thinking, right, but how reliable are these new wearable devices? Well, just recently, in 2019, a research team specializing in heart medicine, led by uh, Robert Avram out of San Francisco School of Medicine in California, published a groundbreaking study on wearable devices such as Fitbits, Apple and Garmin watches, and smartphone apps. So to assess the device's reliability, This team compared the data from your smartphone apps simultaneously with the gold standard of electrocardiograms or EKG, ECGs in hospitals. The data came from over 65,000 participants and their heart rate measurements over three years. So this was the first and largest research study conducted on personal wearable devices and their heart rate data. And they concluded that, quote, our validation demonstrated that smartphone-based heart rate data strongly correlates with heart rate data from the gold standard EKG. And they did this in response to doctors and nurses who had patients coming in saying, you know, I got all this stuff, what did I do about it? So the, the healthcare team would not didn't know if it was reliable. So that's why they did this study. So these findings are revolutionary. This gives us as patients access to information on our heart rates that previously only hospitals had. And they just give us snapshots of our heart rates. We have our own real life heart rate readings wherever we go. And to top it off, we have apps to interpret the heart rate data and to give us tips on what to do about it if our heart rate data varies from our normal. This means that all of a sudden, for the first time in history, patients have proof, powerful proof, and reliable proof of their own heart rate. And we can begin to understand what's going on with it. And we can put that information in the context of where we are, what we're doing, and how we're feeling. So, could this mean a complete shift in the worldview of heart health? And I'll wrap up by saying, yes. Maybe you're wondering, has this happened before in history? Yes. Avram and all described this eHeart study as a Framingham-type study. 
The landmark Framingham study, those of you in public and community health will know all about this, shifted the patient paradigm to preventing disease. Now, this was big news, and I talk about how this happened in the book. It's pretty interesting. It's Roosevelt's story on his blood pressure. But this study was the first to discover and name the influences in our environment that can make heart disease worse. And these risk factors include, as you know, smoking, drinking too much, inactivity, and poor diet. These are all things, as you know, that patients can control and do without a doctor's prescription. Same with checking your resting heart rate. Same with getting out into green space. So these studies shifted the paradigm to patients helping themselves stay well to avoid health problems. So this means again that access to your simple resting heart rate, which we all have, can help you see what you normally can't see about what's going on in your body. And this means that your resting heart rate can tip you off when you really need to do something about your heart. And this is so important. As we show in Leslie's story and in the book. Now, you might think, okay, this is a little too much, middle, (laughs) far-fetched. Knowing your heart rate, you know, is going to tell you what you're going to have a heart attack. But just as this book was about to go to press, a new research paper came out from Stanford by Dr. Michael Snyder. Um, And he's the director of personalized medicine there, that department. And it was all on the value of tracking your resting heart rate and what they called as a real-time illness warning system. So what they did is they had 3,000 study participants and they were looking at COVID. So they found that resting heart rate detected 80% of the people infected with COVID-19. Resting heart rate went up on the average of three days before the patient felt ill. So the resting heart rate even detected COVID-19 when the infected person was feeling okay or just fine. And they found, so let me back up. So it was 80% that that they detected. The resting heart rate went up three days before. So there's your early warning. And then it even picked it up when people didn't know they had COVID. And then they found that the resting heart rate went up with other infections such as flu, poor sleep, stress, excessive alcohol consumption, and travel. So this is huge. And then after the publication, they there was this other journal that, that talked about it, and that it, the title I liked was called How Michael Snyder's Self-Monitoring Project Could Transform Human Health. And I really believe this new ability of ours to look at our heart rates combined with the balancing effects of green space, is monumental. So that's what I talk about in the book. And it's really because researchers often talk about the autonomic nervous system, which I'll talk about more in another solo podcast, to understand the impact of green space on our bodies. 
So to wrap up then, studies since 2003 have shown that just viewing nature in five minutes significantly improves our resting heart rate. So it decreases it usually and improves something called heart rate variability. And I'll talk about that more in the next solo podcast. But heart rate variability is so interesting because in one measurement, it tells you how you're doing emotionally, like psychologically, and how your whole body is functioning physically. This is one one measurement. And as a practicing critical care nurse, I was not familiar with HRV. And I learned that up until recently, HRV has been in the medical research domain. They love this. But it is so complicated that it doesn't, the, all the calculations can't be performed on our heart rate monitors. You have to do the 12 lead EKG snapshot. So we as nurses would not have seen this HRV. So that's what I'm going to talk about in the next podcast. But if you want to get a head start on all of this, um, and Leslie's story, who is, you know, whose life is really helping us still. Um, please see the link to my book. Uh, it's on Amazon now. And it's, again, it's called Optimize Your Heart Rate, Balance Your Mind and Body with Green Space. And I'd love it if you let me know if you had any sort of aha moments and if it helped you. Um, and if it helped you get out into green space more often. So if you're not already on my email list, just go to my website, treesmandis.com, and join up there, and then we can email back and forth on uh, what, what you thought about it. So thank you for, for listening and for sharing my excitement of the, really the launch. This is the launch of, of, of my new book. I, I'm really excited about it. I want everybody to learn about this with me and uh, practice it and it's so simple and easy and fun and combined with green space it's just magic so so thank you for listening and we'll see you next time and i hope that next time is outside okay take care and bye for